Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for the gifts that you give to us, for the blessings that rain down upon us, for the ways that you open our eyes to the newness of your spirit and your love, shaping us and reshaping us in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the lectionary from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. It is a story when we hear of part of the the ritual life uh, of Jesus as a young child. Listen for the word of the Lord. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what was stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, for the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished performing everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There they are in Jerusalem, at the temple. A couple of old people, 
And you get the sense, I mean, you have to remember the Gospel of Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke was a pretty optimistic person who, when, when, when things were kind of tough, he would, he would smooth out the edges in his storytelling when you compare it with, with other uh, parts of the Bible. Uh, and, and so if he says, yeah, they were a little bit old and things were a little rough, you can say, okay, just take that times 10. Simeon, an old man who feels that his life is pretty meaningless. He has not felt a sense of fulfillment in who he was. The future holds for him death, but it's death of despair because he really hadn't done anything in his life. He hadn't seen any sort of sense of hope. And so he comes to the temple and there is this child there and a spirit comes upon him. I want you to notice this is part of a ritual blessing. I think we need to stop for a minute and think about rituals and just how important they are and what they do in our lives. Rituals, uh, you know, I, every couple that I meet with uh, who, for whom I'm uh, privileged to perform a wedding, I, I meet with them ahead of time and I ask them, we're going to do a ritual. What does the word ritual mean to you? And almost all of them say tradition <laughs> and I want to start singing Tevya you know tradition <laughs> tradition you know yes that's right but I had another definition of ritual that I share and it goes like this a ritual is a symbolically enacted drama for the purpose of the transformation of consciousness and they all say that's what we were thinking you know that's a symbolically enacted drama for the purpose of the transformation of consciousness. We put on plays of deep meaning in our rituals and we do it to change minds and hearts. Rituals in their transformative power tend to do two main things. One, if, if a life is, is, is fractured um, a ritual can repair it. If someone is worn down, if the culture around has started to, uh, to, to, to get people off track in their thinking, a ritual puts us back on track again. It restores, it redeems in that it restores us to how we can think about things again. But sometimes life shatters us and it can't be fixed. Or sometimes God just plain has something new in mind and at that point a ritual can truly transform us. It can transform us into being something new. And so it was such a turning point in the life of Simeon and Anna. Washed up old Simeon encounters Jesus and gives him this ritual blessing. It's not per se that Jesus did something for Simeon directly, but rather in this ritual, Simeon comes to understand the meaning of his life. To bless this child and to share with the parents what this child's potential is and what he's going to do. It's an awareness of the possibilities, the new possibilities that God gives and what Jesus would do for the world. And Simeon holds the child Jesus in his arms to bless him. And he says to his mother th these words 
that help to prepare her that this child is going to change the world and is going to be a blessing for the world, but it's going to cost him and it's going to cost her. He begins to change her mind so that she's ready so that when he goes out into the world, she says, no, no, couldn't you just live at home for a couple more years? <laughs> you know, she, she, she's ready because this ritual moment has helped to prepare her. Old Simeon, the future had been one of despair in his imagination, but he comes to this ritual and in this ritual experience, now for him, his life is fulfilled. There is now not despair, but hope in his life, filling his world, his eyes, his heart. And he knows that what he cares about most will endure. There is not fear or anxiety or despair, even in the face of death. He has a sense of peace. Now let thy servant depart in peace. And, you know, the, the writer of the Gospel of Luke wanted to make absolutely clear the fullness uh, of, of the Gospel message and its transformative power in the world. So she can't just have one old man doing it. She has to bring in, uh, the writer has to bring in Anna because you've got to make it clear that women are part of the redemptive work of God, equal with the men and, and part of that story. And so she has something of the same sort of experience. The Bible is full of these turning points in people's lives. The turning points that help us to get in touch with how God is blessing us and how God is changing us. I, I see the stories all over the place in the scripture. One of my favorite pa uh, uh, parts of the Bible is the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a, a very challenging prophet and his words were written down uh, to, to say to the world, you need to have a giant turning place in your existence. But the king did not want the world to change, so the king pronounced that all of Jeremiah's books be brought out into the courtyard and burned, one by one, burned. And people thought, what a pity. That's the end of what Jeremiah said. Nobody will remember after this. But the scribe who wrote Jeremiah's words down, Baruch, he remembered what he'd written. And this was a turning point for him when he was going to rewrite the book of Jeremiah, but he was going to add new words beyond the original words, new words that he was inspired to remember because of this turning event. The words and thoughts of the prophet Jeremiah written down in a second edition enlarged and expanded. It was a turning point for Baruch. The horrible burning of the books. And yet, for God, it was a turning point to even more that would be said. You know, I think as people of faith, we have to consider not only what happened in Scripture, but part of our own history and the history of the world around us. When I think of that book burning in, uh, in that time for the prophet Jeremiah, uh, I immediately think about walking through the streets of Berlin. Uh, and in one square there, not too far from the Brandenburg Gate, there is a cobblestone street. And in the middle of the cobblestone street, there is this huge piece of thick glass in the middle of the street. And you can look down into the glass and, and see a room below. And, and what happened on this spot on May 10th, 1933, 
was that the National Socialist German Students League dragged out all the books from the Institute for the Science of Sexuality library. They were offended by these books and they burned 20,000 books on that spot. But now there's this piece of glass and you can look down into the room below. It's painted white and there are shelves, empty shelves, enough shelves to hold 20,000 books. And there is a piece of uh, 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 poetry that is written in the pavement alongside by Heinrich Heine. It says, wherever they burn books, they will also in the end burn human beings. And so what was meant as a time to wipe out memory was a turning point for that people to say no. We won't let them burn books again. We will remember. I think that turning point is something that challenges us today as people want to uh, empty libraries and burn books again. In our faith, in our remembered history, we are amazed to find the God revealed in the Bible bringing people to a turning point, to offering an understanding to us that we are not fated we are not facing a history that is immutable, that things can be changed, and that God gives us the hope and the courage and the vision to see how the world can be made new. H. Richard Niebuhr, the great theologian of the last century, wrote, quote, God is acting in all actions upon you. God is acting in all actions upon you, so respond to all actions upon you as to respond to God's actions, end quote. And let me make that clear. It's not that God is forcing all these things to happen. It's not that God is directing things to happen. It's, it, it, we can't say that God causes suffering and God does not cause evil, but in every action, God is there seeking to bring redemption, hope, transformation, renewal, a new beginning. It's our story of faith time after time in the scripture we see. And we see it in, a, in, in a, a way without parallel in the story of Jesus, how he brings people to transformation as he did to Simeon and Anna. A turning point to turn away from despair, to turn toward the good, to turn toward one another and embrace as he embraced the child the redemptive powers of God present in our lives and in our world, the redemptive powers of God born in love, that love of God that surrounds us. Sometimes it's, it, we experience in every breath we take and sometimes we experience the love of God like the ground beneath our feet and sometimes we, uh, we experience like a, a power that holds us down and keeps us from flying off into nothingness. God gives us the conditions of the possibilities of the fullness of life. And there are other powers that bear down upon us too that come from the people around us who give us the sense that we are not alone. Sometimes we experience that sense of love and awareness that we have the power of love. These rituals that we hear in this story, the rituals that we have today of welcoming these wonderful new members, the rituals of communion that we have, are ways that help us to develop a heightened sense of awareness, 
of who we are. And sometimes transforming us and our identity to bring us to a fullness of awareness of the turning points that God gives to us. The New Testament seems to go back and forth arguing about, uh, about redemption and about power, uh, but it makes the case that the greatest power in the universe is God's love. In the Talmud, there is a, a tradition in Judaism that says over every blade of grass, there stands an angel whispering, grow, grow, grow. And I think that applies for every one of us too, that the presence of God is there whispering to us to grow, to live, to be fully alive. At every moment, the beams of God's light shine on us to make us grow, to warm us, to strengthen us, to lift us. Even though there's some people in the world who don't perceive it, we've been blessed. We do. We've been blessed by the people around us in the church who help us hear and see and perceive how God is calling us to be that turning point in someone's life, to be that, that transformative agent in the world that brings a sense of blessing. You know that old saying, uh, plant a tree under whose shade you will never sit. That, isn't that kind of the story of, of Anna and Simeon? Plant a tree under whose shade you will never sit. And some people respond, well, why plant trees? It takes 50 years for them to grow. But there are other people who say, 50 years, we better plant them today. <laughs> That's our story. That we recognize that today, now is our time to give the blessing. George Eliot said, it's never too late to become what you might have been. It's never too late to become what you might have been. So it was for Simeon and Anna, and so it is for us, that we have the time, the day, to give the blessing that may just be the transformation that helps some parents to see the potential in their children. That, that helps someone to see the potential in themselves, that our words, our blessing, can help somebody grow. I have to close uh, with, with I've, I'm just amazed that there was this, uh, this thing that happened on the internet this week. Evidently, Elmo has more Facebook friends than I do. Um, Elmo, the Sesame Street character, has 457,000 followers, and the little puppet Elmo just uh, put on a, a, a post this week that said, Elmo is just checking in, how's everybody doing? And tens of thousands of people replied, not very well, Elmo. I lost my job. I'm depressed. I'm broke. Not well, Elmo. They, Elmo, they done raised the rent and I'm coming to live with you on Sesame Street. <laughs> it, it was just this unexpected moment when you get a sense of how many people out there are hurting. Elmo gave us a, vi a vision of the pit of despair that can be out there. And now we recognize once again in this ritual gathering 
that we are strengthened, we are empowered, and we are given the call by God to wrap our arms around the world, or maybe one person, and let them know the blessing and the vision that God has for them. Your words, your words of faith will bless. Your words of faith will bless so many because God seeks to bless the world in so many ways, but especially God seeks to bless the world through you. May we be that blessing, amen.